Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, folks. We are here today with Greg Kilstrom. Uh, he's part of the great, what we're hearing about a lot today is the creative community. And uh, he has a story that's you know, very interesting. And he, he's a very interesting background, too, in the arts and creative field. Uh, welcome, Craig. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, I have to be careful that I don't say Craig, now that we mentioned it, because his name isn't Craig, it's Greg. <laughs> so we have to. So anyway, um, we were talking a little bit before about how you how you got to where you are now. But before, I mean, that's that's a span of since ninety to now. So before that, what uh, where did you grow up? What is what uh, was your background? Sure. So I, I grew up um, out, outside Philadelphia um, in a town called Reading, Pennsylvania. So um, you might know it from the outlets. And I know it. I that's the, it's all there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Most famous for the VF outlets, but um, also uh, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, so I lived there. I went, ended up going to, to college out in the Midwest and Southwest Michigan. Um, started in architecture and then ended up in photography. Um, and then kind of fell in love with the the internet and you know all of these all of these new technologies back in the in the late 90s um, you know World Wide web and flash and all of these kinds of things that were kind of coming of age at, at that point yeah you're very lucky because you were born or you entered the labor market just as the time of the internet explosion were you a little bit worried about what you're going to do if you didn't have the internet um you know, to be honest, I probably should have been, but I didn't. I didn't really know. Oh, you know, it was, it was <laughs> hoping nineteen and twenty. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Yeah, if if only I knew. I mean, yeah. So I mean, I entered the job market right, right as the internet boom was happening in you know ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine, and you know shortly after after leaving college. Um, you know, became, joined one of the startups, one of the many startups that, you know, thought they were going to be the next, you know, you name it, you know, billion dollar company. And we here in D.C.? Uh, yeah, here in, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, okay. so right outside D.C. Um, and, you know, joined that. I was employee number four. They went up to, you know, I think 50, 60 people. And again, we thought we were going to take over the world. And then, you know, kind of overnight um, realized that they didn't really have a, a, a solid business plan. And, you know, I was out like many others at that time. Um, the company kind of just ran out of money, ran out of funding, didn't really have a, a, a viable business model. So, you know, just overnight laid off. And um, do, you, do you know it was coming? No. You know, I mean, there were some there were some warning signs. I mean, just in the in the general economy, you know, you, you'd see all of these, you know, some were famous for the like pets.com. And, you know, some of the, the the larger companies back then were folding and, and stuff like that, because they just couldn't make enough money. But, you know, so you could kind of you could kind of see that things were happening. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know week to week that things were really as bad as they were. And then really, it was just sort of everybody kind of was gathered in a room. And, and they basically said, hey, we ran out of money. Um, you know, they raised $11 million in 11 a very million. short. Yeah. Yeah. 
very short period of time, raised the money, and you know they. Uh, I would say they actually were more conscious of of spending the money than others. Others blew through it way quicker than they did, but you know just couldn't find a a, a good enough revenue stream, and and so you know so I was I was out on my own and and um, freelanced for a bit, and you know just based on some connections that I had some some you know building on my network, and really you know started understanding I, no one really told me this but you know i started learning the value of a network and really you know holding on to great you know really smart people worked at that company and so um you know i just i got some work from them i got so busy that you know my freelance business was so busy i either had to start turning people down or you know what i ended up doing was actually starting a company you know partnering with a few other people and just you know figuring out on our own what a at that point you know digital marketing and advertising was a very, very new phenomenon. Um, social media didn't exist, you know, when we when we first started the company even. It's interesting to hear you say that we are living in the world of social media, but to, to talk to somebody who actually lived the beginning of it and made something of it. So for, what is digital marketing? Tell, tell us, and your company is... Uh, yes, and is the is the company that I'm at now. Yes, and and it it's, it comes from. It comes from the world of of improvisation. Um, so it basically, the the idea is that in order to be successful with improv, uh, instead of you always need to um, accept what the what the person um, you know offers you and then add something to it. So you know when someone says the chicken is green you say yes and oh is that what improv things okay yeah yeah so so it's this it's this idea and i think it translates well to what we do which is we take what our clients have and you know sometimes it's great already sometimes it needs a lot of work but we add to it so you know instead of saying no we're gonna <laughs> no but you can't have yeah. this it's yes this is what you have and we're going to add our own expertise or additional things to it. So, yeah. I, I want to hear more about digital media, but uh, I've gone to a lot of technical uh, programs like at 1776, et cetera, uh, and they're, they have guests and they have, they have people who are working in the industry. And there is, I don't know whether it's the language or the wording or whatever, but it seems like different people are doing the same thing or different things and, and they're calling it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, so digital marketing is a very, very broad thing. And I will even say, you know, I think in the next few years, the word digital can drop off of that. I mean, we're, really what we're doing is marketing. And, you know, it started out as digital was this whole separate thing. And, you know, there was TV and there was radio and there was print. And then all the way on the other side was digital. And, you know, so I think, you know, what we do now while I lead the digital team, what we end up doing is just broader marketing. And so really it's just finding ways to reach people where they are. And so a lot of times everyone has a smartphone now and, you know, everyone's on the web and, and all of the, and everyone's on social media. So a lot of the marketing that you do is going to be on, you know, what are called, you know, quote unquote digital channels. But really what we're doing is it's marketing 101. It's reaching people where they are with the right message at the right time and so on and so forth. Hmm. Very interesting. I'll hire you. Okay. <laughs> you have a book about this, don't you? Just yeah. Book. What, yeah. what tells us about the book? Yeah, sure. So um, it's my second book. It's called The Agile Brand. And what I talk about um, is, so agile methodology is, is something that comes from software development um, world. And really, really what it is, it, is, it's taking an iterative approach. And it's, it's basically accepting that we don't necessarily know 
everything that we're going to need to know 12, 18, 24 months from now, but we know what we want to achieve at a, at a high level and we know some basic steps to get there. And so iteratively, we know we are going to get there. Um, so when we have to have a goal, though, you do, you do have to have a goal and, and you have to have requirements for, for what you want. Okay. But you have I mean, in 24 months, I mean, you know, think about it in the last 24 months, how much changed in the world around us, you know, even if we talk about marketing alone, but let alone the, the world at large. Yeah. So we can't necessarily know if there's going to be a complete disruption in a market in, you know, 20, you know, 12 months from now let alone a new social network or a new channel or some kind of disruption in, in some kind of market. So what we know is that we want to get to a point of we want to sell, you know, X amount of widgets or we want to get a number, you know, however many people to donate to a cause or whatever, whatever the end goal is. What we do is we take what are called sprints and, you know, we take, you know, let's say three months at a time and we say, OK, we're going to get we're going to get as close as we can sprint at a time and um, adjust as we go. And and so what a lot of things make this a lot easier now than, than it did, you know, let's say 20 years ago, which is um, we have access to real time data about what people are doing. So we can say there are 20 people on your website right now or, you know, 10 people just liked your post on Facebook or whatever. So having access to a lot of data very quickly lets us make quicker decisions and lets us, you know, quickly change our tact and, and approach and, and stuff like that. So by doing that, we're able to be, you know, agile in our marketing, yeah. just like you would be in, in a, you know, in the technology world. Yeah, I, I've heard it agile mentioned a lot in software development. Yeah. So you've applied it to marketing. Yeah. So you you can trace what, what a, whatever you've done is, is being measured by the number of people who've accessed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, in and a then, sense, yeah. And so, what are there any messages or any any secrets that you can share with us about what attracts people to to what to what what you develop or what a client wants? What's better than other things? Yeah, sure. I mean, so I I think the the easiest way to say it it's it's, it's I'm not trying to be evasive with it. It's relevance. So you know, it it really it depends, but it it's factored on, you know, what is the problem that your audience is trying to solve? And, you know, so if you just, if you come at people with, you know, sales messages and marketing messages that are, that are just blatantly, Hey, buy from me, that's, that's a lot less effective than if you look at what people are trying to solve and, uh, you know, a challenge they're trying to solve and, and really try to understand them and, and provide a solution to a problem. And so again, that could be, that could be anything from, a, you know, a more serious problem to, I, you know, I want to be entertained. And so showing them something funny on the web, you know, it, it could really span any number of things, but it's about, you know, the right message at the right time on the right channel. It's also, you know, are they looking at their smartphone at that time? Are they on their TV? Are they on uh, their laptop? Whatever, whatever device or, or place they might be, it's reaching them with the right message at the right time. This gives me a chance to ask you this. Uh, next, uh, in, in October 23rd, we have a data science career meetup. Yeah. It sounds to me as if you, you have a large component that is data analytics in your job. Yeah, it is. it is. So tell us about that, because that's another reason why people should come to our, our <laughs> program to learn about things that help 
how data science applies to so many different careers. So absolutely. So, so, so I mean, there's there's really two sides to how we use data and 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 data science and you know behavioral science is a whole other a whole other aspect to this too. So, you know, at the at the beginning of working with someone and and trying to understand a problem, often there is a lot of data, but um, you know, our clients, even even larger, more sophisticated clients, don't have the the number crunching ability to figure out. Okay, we have we have databases and we have spreadsheets and we have all of these sources of data, but what does it all mean? And so, you know, data science one of, one of the great um, parts of of working with data scientists is that they tie all of the stuff together for you. And so, at the beginning of a project, we need them to help us. Okay, point us in the right direction. Let's make some some very educated, you know, their assumptions, but they're very educated assumptions because we have crunched the numbers and we have determined that, okay, this is what's happened. So the, what we call descriptive analytics, because it's what's happened in the past, we're, we're looking at it. And then when we put something, when we actually start marketing and put something in market, then we actually want to look at what's happening um, currently. And so, you know, we, we match what already happened with what is happening uh, we we base strategic and creative and and all of those decisions on what's happened in the past, but then we have to adjust based on what's happening in the present. Um, and then to even take it a step beyond, um, using artificial intelligence and you know machine learning to actually in real time or near real time actually take those numbers and crunch you know crunch those numbers, understand um, and actually make predictions about what we should be doing next. So it's not it's not even this is what's happening right now, you know, and a human needs to analyze it and all of that. It's actually taking what's happening right now and having a machine tell us based on this decision, this person should go here or you should send them this email or you should um, provide them this incentive to make a purchase or, or all of those things. And that's one of those things. that's an exponential problem because we can't we can't say, you know, if we're trying to reach, you know, 100,000 customers we can't say and go through every single person, okay, well, this person gets this offer and this person goes to this landing page. We have to have machines help us make those decisions and route people to the right places. Wow. <laughs> so you, you aren't a science major. You aren't an engineer. No. <laughs> and, and you appreciate the, the role of science in, in engineering in your job. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's math is taken care of. You now know what people are doing. But how do you, how do you create your stuff to meet the needs of your of the client and the person who's getting it? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's where um, I am by no means a math major <laughs> or, or anything like that. And so that's where I think the the human aspect of this, the strategy and the creative, and you know, creative. In, in my world, often creative just means design or copywriting, but it's also being creative with how we show things to people, where we show it to them. But I think the strategy and the creative components of this is where, you know, where my team and, and I work a lot in. Again, we get great assumptions from data science and, and analytics. We, we create great creative work based on that, you know, assuming that, okay, if we show this message to this person, they're going to respond well. We then test that with more analytics, um, run the numbers, see what works, and then we adjust that. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, it's, it's humans and machines and it's, it's marketers and, and creatives and data science, all of those working together. And, you know, it all, it all, it all plays into together. And over time, the, the whole goal of, of what we do is, 
the better, you know, the more times you feed data through that process and that cycle of, you know, humans and machine learning and, and analytics, the more times you run through the cycle, the better your results get. And so, you know, just over time, we just get better and better and smarter about what to show when and where. I, I, I couldn't even begin to imagine your job. And, and, I mean, I thought about, you know, you're an artist, artist. You're, you've been a manager. Yeah. leader and uh so those things aren't supposed to be working together under one person and uh, you did that and you're you're very successful hey by the way what when you had your other job and you're fortunate what were what did you find most dis disheartening about it what did you find most difficult about uh, it? when i owned the company yeah yeah i mean i think the 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 thing it's it's kind of the classic um entrepreneur's paradox i think <laughs> it's um you know, you, you go into a business because you love what the business, you know, is going to do. And then you spend all of your time with finances and operations and HR and, and all of those things. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't spend 100% of my time on operations, I, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But I spent, I felt like I spent way too much time worrying and, and, and um, dealing with that kind of stuff and, and much less time on the stuff that I love that, you know, that mix of creative marketing and technology. And so, the the nice part about now working for another company is that I'm not worried about payroll. I'm not worried about HR. I'm not worried somebody about somebody else worried stuff. about that, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And you know they do a great job, and so you know I don't I don't worry about that stuff, and and they let me focus on what I love doing. So it's you know that's that's the nice part. There there are certainly nice parts about being an entrepreneur as well. I mean, there's a little more freedom and and yeah. some other things. Your your fate is is completely in your hands, but. <laughs> Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not. Yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Really, <laughs> really. So, overall, you're happy with what your your career has been. Do you ever resent, re regret not going into architecture? Or? Um, no, you know, I it's I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, but I I'm glad I you know I think I I dropped out for a couple one one reason I dropped out actually was I wasn't as good as good at math and as I should be. <laughs> Um, the other was I couldn't draw a straight line as, as much sorry, as I should. Yeah, now they have AutoCAD and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. But, you know, back in the day, we were still, you know, drawing. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you never know. But um, I'm, Yeah, I know several architects, uh, architects versus some some artists. And yeah. they, they leave architecture and become fine, fine artists. They, yeah. And I, I draw in my spare time. So, you know, actually, a lot of my illustrations are very architectural, I've been told, you know, very yeah. geometric and, and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I kind of get that out of my system, uh, you know, in my spare time. Don't forget about the Data Science Career Meetup, Tuesday, October 23rd, from 530 to 8 at the Arlington Economic Development Center, 1100 North Glebe. To register, go to http colon slash slash bit.ly slash data science 2018. There will be refreshments and a chance to talk to our expert guests and employers. You're a creative person and and in Washington uh, in the region we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the creative community. Tell us about are you part of the creative community and how do you see it growing? Yeah I mean I think there's I would say I'm more on the creative like the creative economy side, you know, the, the business side of, of the creative community. But I mean, I, so I've been in, in the DC area for uh, 20 years now, actually. So, um, you know, I've seen a lot. I mean, anyone that's been here that long or longer has seen a lot of things change. So, you know, I think 
um, while there was always some, you know, creative element, I think there's actually been a lot more of an influx of the kind of that intersection of, of creative and business. And I think that's really interesting, you know, a lot more, you know, designers, a lot more, I, you know, I even think that the federal, the federal government work, everyone always complained at how boring it was and how it just kind of drained you and all of that. And while that may not be completely untrue now, there's a lot more creative work being done for the federal government even. And I think that's, that's a, that's a testament actually as much to the government changing a little bit over time as it is to the community around here that the talent pool around here. So, you know, I think, I mean, and even outside of that, I mean, we do a little work in that space, but also a lot in, in, you know, the commercial world. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's just a lot more opportunity here, I think, for creatives in general. Yeah. Well, so before we leave this wonderful conversation, let's go back to your early childhood. I mean, I see how, how, where you've come, but yep. where where did you come from? <laughs> is a question. I know you graduated from college in in yeah. Southern Michigan. So before that, were you in high school? And are you an only child? And oh sure, um, yeah, yeah. So we can we can get personal here. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in you know outside Philadelphia. I have a sister. Um, so yeah, I um, I guess on the creative side, I started playing piano when I was five years old and I took 12 years of classical piano. Well, you know, I, I wasn't that good, but you know, I took 12 years of, of, uh, of lessons and all of that. And, you know, so that was fun. That was an, that was an outlet. Um, and you know, I drew as a kid and, and all that kind of stuff. And just kind of, I was always kind of in a hurry to get to the next thing. So, uh-huh. um, you know, skipped a grade in high school, I think. And, you know, just, I was just always ready for the next thing. I next guess. thing. So, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you are an overachiever or an achiever, right? <laughs> yeah. I've been accused of that. Yeah, <laughs> accused of that as well. I was curious because so many times the, uh, a person is sitting where you're sitting and, uh, I asked them about their early childhood and you get all sorts of yeah. Responses and <laughs> some some not so good some good yeah. and uh, I I don't know do you think early childhood uh, how you were raised affects what you've become? Um, I I mean I think there's certain I think there's certain things that shape you one way or the other, right? I mean, so I mean, I think people that have certain advantages, it gives them a, a step up, and I, I think people that have certain disadvantages actually, you know provokes them to do more in, in other ways. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I I think I certainly, I don't have a lot of complaints about my, my growing up. And so, you know, in a way I, I feel like sometimes I was a spoiled kid, but <laughs> I somehow learned a work ethic. Uh, you know, my yeah. dad was an entrepreneur. And so really, what did I he saw, do? What kind of business? Um, he, he sold uh, basically machines that help are parts that make help machines make other machines. So drill bushings okay. are called. So, um, but yeah, just travel he, around the country. A tool, a tool, a tool, a die maker. Yeah, yeah. He worked. So he okay. sold parts. Um, okay. From yeah, for for them. So you know, I, I saw my dad work really hard, and you know, he traveled a lot, but always you know had time for for the family and everything like that, and you know, just kind of learned that that work ethic. Just kind of. Do you ever go back to uh, writing? I do, I do, yeah. My parents are still there, so I go back there quite often. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to school near Reading. That's why. Oh, I, oh I, wow. I know that <laughs> <Okay>. area. <laughs> I had a date there. He took me to this old uh, house, I think, on a building. It was a house or something on the mountainside. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're... Stokesay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Stokesay <laughs> Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so that's <laughs> Near what I the pagoda. I forgot. That's, what I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what I remember about it. Okay. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation very oh, much. Thank and uh, I hope you come back and, you know, you can share some some more of your experience and your creative background yeah, as I love well. That. Yeah, and you. Uh, and you will uh you'll have uh, he'll do I'm gonna tell the audience you're gonna do a podcast for us as well. Yeah. Which will uh, complete the picture of uh, Greg and what he's he is and what he's become and uh and we look forward to getting that and uh, we thank you very much. Yeah no thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for tuning in to the workforce show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.